0: Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble, and as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our Black History Month query, is this a black film? And tonight, we are digging into, once again, the filmography of one Spike Lee. As we present Vincent's selection for tonight's Stop on the Mission from 1999, it is The Summer of Sam. Summer of Sam. Starring John Leguizamo and Adrian Brody, Jennifer Esposito, Mira Servino. Something about that cast doesn't sound it quite
1: Spike Lee-ish. It is an entire cast of white people. It is. With a speck of two. Uh, uh, yes, a literal speck. A, a literal two. speck, like blink, and you'll miss the speck.
0: Mm-hmm. That is our show for you tonight, the movie that we will be reviewing from our new home, the new Yunk Junk home here, still in Maniunk. But it's a whole, it's a whole new world, but still streaming live to you in each and every one of you out there on YouTube and Facebook and all points north, south, east and west. And shout out to each and every one of you who are joining us as we stream live in our chat room. Hello, missionaries. Good evening, one and all. Hello, Vincent. Hello, Dylan back there still running the show. Hello. Hello. How you doing, uh, Vincent? Good. I'm. I'm good. You know. How was your weekend? Not bad. Not bad. I, so
1: what did I do this weekend? I said, oh, I should mention that to Lynn. Now I can't recall. <laughs> Although, I did see that PBS masterpiece, or or they have like that show, Great Performances, or mm-hmm. they're going to show pearly. Oh, they're' they're they're, 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 going pearly, they're going to show pearly victorious so I believe in March or May I know it's a month that starts with MA now are they
0: there are they showing
1: the no are are pearly victorious the one with with Kara young
0: and are you serious yeah. are you you that's funny because I just this weekend was looking to see. I was curious whether or not anybody had optioned it for a movie. Yeah. And I didn't see anything yeah. like that. So it's going to show on greater... Oh,
1: that... Oh, uh, I said with Carrie Young, I guess I should have mentioned... Um,
0: Leslie Odom. Les, the star. Also
1: Leslie Odom Jr.
0: Yes. 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 The man above the title. <laughs> right. Uh, As... Pearly. 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 Victorious. Who is victorious? Vincent, can I tell you? Mm-hmm. Because... You are the first one to, to put me down mm-hmm. with, with this play. Me and my partner have been doing Carrie Young's voice. Mm-hmm. Reverend Pearly. Reverend
1: Reverend
0: <laughs> oh. We've been doing that voice mm-hmm. since January. Right. Well, now when,
1: when it comes, when we get the actual details, it is required viewing
0: for all of the it missionaries. Is definitely required. So we will let you all know. Oh, that's so, that's so dope. Uh, This weekend um, was Valentine's weekend and I spent Valentine's weekend in Atlantic City. Okay. Where I was very happy to take my partner to see the Cat Williams concert. Okay. At the Boardwalk Hall. Very nice. Let me tell you, Cat Williams has not lost his fastball. I mean, I think he, I, I think we're saying lost it.
1: Like, I think he stays in, in, at fighting weight. He does. Like, I think he's a comedian that never stops.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was uh lights out. He was, he was incredible. It was, okay. it, it was um great show. He was funny. He was with it. He didn't, I, he didn't reference the Shannon Sharp interview at all. He didn't even make mention of like you know I know you all came out here because sure, of that. Sure, he made no mention of it at all. Well,
1: well again, there is no moss that grows under his feet, so right. That was what a month ago, a little over actually. Right, so believe. he strikes me as a comedian Keeps that is moving. continually mm-hmm. creating material, and and he references that on on the interview where he says he 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 writes material like he is. A comedian, yeah, always writing, so, always in writing. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all.
0: He was, he killed it. Um, he brought out Mark Curry, who he references. In, that that is the only reference to the right. interview is right. that Mark Curry is on tour with him. Right, right, um, right. And it's been a forever since I saw Mark Curry, and and I don't think I. If I remember seeing Mark Curry in in stand up, I don't remember anything he did. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't have any knowledge of. his He stand was up. he was funny as well. Right. Um, he definitely is a he's a different type of comedian, more sure. of a storyteller. Sure. Then I think, cat uh, uh, is and uh, I definitely a more laid back. He's older. Yeah, and I think he might be a comedian's comedian. He yeah, I, like I you I've could heard see that
1: other people speak of Mark Marker mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. respectfully. Yeah. And you know, like he was definitely in the mix.
0: You could in see the that. 80s. But he was still he, he, was, he was on point. He, right. he was funny. Um he brought out Tommy Davidson. Okay. Who I, you know, a friend of our show. Friend, friend of the show, Tommy Davidson. Um he was funny as well. Okay. Uh had a couple of um local comedians mm-hmm. that were, that were on point. And Monique, who I recently announced to be joining this tour, was there for 15 minutes okay. to introduce Cat Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, she was there. I, sure. I, I did not personally, she, she didn't do a set. She, sure. Like I said, she was only on stage for about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very... It was more of a rant than throwing any jokes. Well, you you know, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt
1: because you saw her right in the midst of this very public, very ugly back and forth between her and her estranged son.
0: Yes, which she references um, at the top of her, her appearance, talking about seeing him. Uh, that she, on her way to right. Atlantic City, right? Seeing something that he that had he just had dropped on TikTok,
1: which you know, in some ways, you kind of see where this started with this 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 very quickly emerging Shannon Sharp culture, where people say things publicly. And then other people respond, like like mm-hmm. like you know the whole Cat Williams thing. From what I understand, because I have to say I'm not a a big Shannon Sharp listener, like like everybody else. I listened to the the Cat Williams mm-hmm. episode, but Cat Williams says basically people mentioned my name, yeah, and then I responded, and and then when Monique was on there, she did reference her relationship with this estranged son,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which then I guess gave him license. Like if you talk about me publicly, then I can talk about you publicly. And now she responds to him publicly. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm from the school of, of like, everybody knows everybody's phone number and everybody knows where everybody is and and everybody doesn't have to be like my mother. My, my mother used to be so proud of the fact that, that my parents lived at the same address like our whole life. And, Mm. and, and, and I remember like Baltimore got, um, a new area code Mm -hmm. and we had to change our phone number Mm. when I was like 17. And I remember my mother was hot, like fish grease. Cause, (laughs) cause you know, very adamant, you know where I am. If you need me, like, like you have something to say to me, you know where I am. And I said all that to say, like, I know both Monique and her son seem like they know where each other is. They know how to connect. That yes. I don't have to hear about it. Exactly. Exactly. So, it,
0: especially when it gets to a certain point. Right. When it gets to that. Right. Like, nobody is winning. No. At this point. And it's one thing when it's. Comedians talking about comedians, which is the other thing. You're two public figures. There you go talking about each other. But once you start bringing family into it, there, you go into that man. Like yo, like, right. Leave leave that alone. Right. And and again,
1: I want to extend Monique a level of grace, even with this, with her son, because I do get the sense that she's hurting.
0: You're right because that is what came across in mm-hmm. just the, a, again short fifteen yeah. minutes, and I thought it was interesting. There was another uh, um, comedian comedian that was on the. Si- uh, set mm-hmm. uh, to Kara Williams, I believe is her name. And her whole bit was about, you know, her and her relationship with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. Never mentions her daughter by name, but it, it's a bit about her and her daughter. Her daughter's mm-hmm. a teenager and, and whatever. And and she definitely is in the the Cat Williams school. You know, there's F-bombs and mm-hmm. words flown left and right. But it is jokes mm-hmm. it is 100 jokes and you can see despite that she's delivering it expertly that and she's saying certain things you can tell that it is still jokes her tongue is firmly in her cheek sure and that there is no doubt that she has a strong relationship with her with her daughter sure. that th- this is what it is this is what comedy is sure you know um she came on probably about an hour before Monique. Mm-hmm. And then when Monique comes on and starts, like I said, she begins with this talking about the sun. I'm expecting, okay, she's going to do, a, you know, her right. version
1: right. of what the other comedian. Where you kind of feel hear the love underneath. There was no love. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, unfortunately, even those clips... Had, like I told you on our way in, I said, oh, you were at
0: that show. Yeah, I didn't even know that you yeah, could like that. Yeah, because those clips have
1: been floating around. And, and again, I just, you know, I just, I, whatever she needs to get some kind of peace, it, 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 I uh, want her to get
0: it. No, I do too. You know. But you you bring up another point. Okay. Being at this show, we have heard historically that... uh Dave Chappelle, and I think Chris Rock does this now, mm-hmm. too, that a lot of their their shows, they confiscate people's phones. Yes. So that you can't be recording it. Yeah. I can understand why. Because at this show, there were so many people that are literally recording the show. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not like before in the early days of like camera phones and stuff like mm-hmm. this, where you were recording stuff maybe for your own entertainment value. Yeah. Now people are there because now, you know, people are recording this stuff because they need content for their f- profile, yeah. for their social media yeah. presence. Right. Yeah, And I'm like, What ever happened to just going to a show and just enjoying this moment, enjoying this live present presentation? Yeah. You know, it is, it's, I hate to say it. It's like, is it a missed art? Isn't an uh, art that is coming
1: gone? Look, I think, I I, I think there's something to, I, I think we are very, very dangerously close to old man shakes fist at cloud but you know what? But I don't but, think... But I do think there is something to, to the commentary of do people enjoy things
0: exactly. anymore exactly. in the moment? Or, or, or like if, you
1: spend so much time recording that... You're that not even taking
0: in the experience. you take taking the experience. And then the, and then there are so people who now, because of social media... Even even life becomes a screen as opposed to an experience. Sure. So they're looking at what's happening, but they can't shut up and look it and and listen to it because there was a a group of about four dudes behind us at right. the show, who thankfully it wasn't too bad, but dog they had a, like a running commentary going on through almost a lot of these sets. I'm like dog like we're sitting on top of each other you're not at home watching this at on tv certainly we've talked
1: about this at this point my uh, best friend cliff has a theory that the vcr the vcr the advent of the vcr in a lot of ways ruined going out to see performances you know particularly specifically we were talking about movies okay but but i think this extends to what you're saying and he said the 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 problem with the vcr is that a it demystified the theater right because you could watch films in, it, your, in home. your home in your so, home You create a theater right, experience so first of in all it demystified the theater experience yes yes b because of the nature of of a home entertainment system, you can pause it, mm-hmm. which means that if someone talks over it, it's not it's it's not as much of a chance that someone you're missing could, anything, right? Someone's gonna say I'm missing because you can rewind it and 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 do all of this, yeah. And yeah. because of just the interact, and now you can pause live TV. Well, because the interactive nature of home entertainment that has. You've you've seen that spill over mm-hmm. to when you go out in public, yeah. And code and and as as I said, because um, because he said the VCR, he's been saying that for like twenty five years, probably more longer than that. longer than. But well, whenever the VCR, yeah. right? Yeah. And I tend to agree with him because you do, you you do go places. Uh, dang, look. We went and saw, we've been to a couple of plays now. Like, I've been to a couple of plays. So we went and saw the Temptations play downtown mm. over over the holidays. Where else did we go? We, we saw another play. Was it Pearly? It wasn't Pearly. It was another play that we saw. And then... You know, we, we, me and my speaking of my boys, we we take our our daughters to go That's see right. Alvin Ailey every year. That's right. And we went and saw Alvin Ailey this year. And I've noticed over the past year, and I don't know if the pandemic broke people's brains, but people are so loud. Like, like, like at the theater, Mm like, 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 you know, like at the risk of sounding like a Tala Perry villain, all of a sudden I say, (laughs) why can't these people (laughs) conduct themselves with some type of dignity at the theater? But it really is. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you yelling? And, and I know that's right. At Alvin, like we're at, in Alvin Alley, like it's it's, at, at Alvin, like, like I love Revelation Dance. as much as you love, her, but what what are you doing right now? Like we're watching the dancers, <laughs> so you know I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Now now I'm full. Now I'm I'm, I'm talking about you, but now I've gone full scale old man shakes his fist at the Your cloud. fist is in there. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm asking
0: a question. Your fist is like, oh. Uh, so. <laughs> well, we're going to do our part, ladies and gentlemen, to try and bring back that theater experience oh, on March nice. 20th. Oh, that was a nice transition. M- okay, it's better when you don't point it out. I'm sorry. Uh, at the Bryn Mawr <laughs> Film Institute. <laughs> Sometimes I see the craft up close. <laughs>
1: One time we went and saw Stevie Wonder. And do you remember it was a group called For Real? Do you remember yes, For Real? Yes, I do remember the, For Real. The group For Real so mm-hmm. so like when Invo came out, it was a bunch of those groups that came out. And there was a, a there was a group called For Real. And remember their 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 hook was they all had short little naturals. Yes. For Real sang backup for Stevie Wonder at this concert that that we saw him. And at one point two of them just stopped singing. Okay. Because Stevie Wonder was so good at what Stevie Wonder does, and they were close to Stevie Wonder. They, they, they got forgot where they were. They just stopped singing. They were just sitting on the stool watching Stevie Wonder up close. And and that's that's what it is, Like sometimes you're so good at the craft <laughs> of producing
0: and creating that I'm and i I get to see it in real time. Well, thank you. And you'll be able to see it in real time too, ladies and gentlemen. See <laughs> so you did it again. 20- See, did it, yes. Lynn Webb, ladies and gentlemen, Lynn Webb, <laughs> Lynn Webb, Lin Webb, March twentieth at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute. You got to transition
1: from me clapping. Keep it. I'm gonna clap. Keep
0: transition from me clap. Lin <laughs> Webb, ladies and gentlemen, Lynn Thank Webb. you, thank you, thank you. Um, please keep your applause going as the Michelle Mission presents itself at the Mi- Bryn Mawr Film Institute on March 20th as we kick off the Be Real Show screening series. As we will be screening Pariah from 2011 on Wednesday, March 20th at the Bryn Mawr. Film Institute in beautiful Bryn Mawr, PA, ladies and gentlemen. It is a partnership between the Micho Mission and the Be Real Black Cinema Club. It is going to be a fantastic night. We are going to have Pariah on the huge screen. We are going to also have a local filmmaker and a local short film that. We are going to be hopefully announcing next week we're mm-hmm. in negotiations right now. We're going to have as well our, you know, our stock and trade soft pretzels <laughs> for everyone, ladies and gentlemen. But even more than that, we are going to be promoting the Be Real Me shows screening series as a night out on the town. So come dress in your finest because we'll be dressed in our finest as well for a night out in Bryn Mawr to watch Pariah. Tickets are on sale right now. Go to Bryn for more information. Hey there, missionaries. You know that Vince and I, we love you. We do. And we're glad that you come to the show every week. It would be a huge help if you could do us a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and review the show. I know, I know, it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but trust me, it helps other people find our little mission. Absolutely. So head over to Apple Podcasts, type in the show Mission and rate and review. Thanks. Thank you. So here's a quick antidote before we get into the rest of the show. Okay. I was talking to my my nephew came over this. This past week, because I'm showing his son, who is seven years old. I'm teaching him how to kind of like do podcasting. Oh, I I gave him like his own microphone Mm -hmm. that we came and set up. Um, And I'm going to teach him how to do podcasting because we're all going to get together in April to see the um, to watch WrestleMania. They're huge wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have him set up on a microphone so that he can be interviewing everybody while we're watching Nice WrestleMania. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to do something for the little kid. So anyway, so they're they're there, and I'm you know showing them everything, and my my nephew, his father sees my sees our flyer Mm -hmm. in the house, and he said, "Yo man, you you famous?" I'm like, "What do you mean I'm famous? Like I'm I'm not famous." He's like, "I had your flyer at my job at my desk, and this." guy that works at my job who I don't even really know said yo that's a show mission that's Lennon Vincent he's like what you know about Lennon Vincent he's like that's my uncle he's like that ain't your uncle I said that is so my uncle that's my that's my uncle said, that's my boys they had a show this I couldn't make it to their last screen I think they got a new one coming up was a new one he's like oh I don't know it's like he ain't your uncle <laughs> <laughs> So he said, you got to tell me when the screening is, yeah, man. Yeah, just I can go and, <laughs> go and tell him. Right, right. <laughs> right. He is my uncle. He is my uncle. There you go. <laughs> so that was that was cool. And, and yes. It was dope, right? That's dope. All right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep things moving right along. And we're going to hear from you. It is time for our missives from the missionaries.
1: So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries from
0: Let's see, Vincent, we have an email from Corey P. Hey, what's up, Corey? Hi, Lennon, Vince. You may or may not receive this email, but I won't be. Uh, but I won't be before you long. Oh, you may not receive this uh, this email before the. An event, but anyway. Okay. I remember a few weeks ago, there was a, a debate about who was the most impactful between Robert Townsend and Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Very good and insightful conversation. I feel like Robert Townsend has a slight edge over Tyler Perry. For a director to be impactful, in my opinion, one who has to have a body of work that will be talked about for years later. Robert Townsend's directorial movie. Hollywood shuffle Mm -hmm. is a quintessential black film. And to this day, influential, I feel like Tyler Perry doesn't have a body of work that is deemed influential. Hollywood shuffle has left a mark on young black creators to bring important issues like being black in Hollywood as an actor. It's beautiful to see Robert Townsend receive it, receive his flyers his flowers mm-hmm. uh he actually appeared on a recent interview on the quest love
1: supreme it, it is so funny that he rec- i'm listening to that right now uh, it's a really good
0: episode that mm-hmm. i enjoyed and i hope you get a chance to listen to it you're are your fan Corey p you're listening to his
1: i'm i'm in the midst because it's like a two-hour
0: interview mm-hmm.
1: and i'm maybe a half hour in I'm okay. in the midst of listening to it, and he's absolutely correct. Corey, it is, a, I think a, I think yeah, a yeah Corey is is absolutely correct. It's a great interview. A, mm-hmm. B, Questlove and and his team giving flowers to Robert Townsend mm-hmm. is so wonderful
0: mm-hmm.
1: B, because you realize just how much Robert Townsend has contributed. Yeah, to the culture. Yes, and and to everything, and 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 I agree with Corey P about the um the reach of something like Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I agree with that as well. Um, I mean, you can't. There's the, there's no argument that Tyler Perry is a more successful, sure director. Yeah. Um, as far as the craft of directing, there's an argument to be made, they may be a, about the same, on the same level. Um oh, I, I think... Well, Robert, I would give the edge to Robert Townsend. Yeah. I would give the edge yeah. to Robert Townsend. Um, but, I mean, I only say that because we have been critical of some Robert Townsend directorial Or oh, we haven't
1: been this critical if we have been
0: of Tyler Perry. Very true. Very <laughs> yeah. true. But still, we have been yeah. we have been critical. The difference, though, I will say is... Um, it's it's just like you were saying, like Mark Curry is the comedian's comedian. Mm-hmm. I think Robert Townsend, regardless of what you may think of his craft or his his body of work, or and or the quality of it, is a director's director. Yeah, um, and maybe even more to the point. A producer's producer, yeah. because you got to remember that Hollywood Shuffle. Yes, he directed, but he produced that as mm-hmm. well. So it's all about how really to to make your mark and build up the creating of a film, uh, as well as the creating of a career. In mm-hmm. Hollywood, and I think that is where definitely his his influence has been most impactful. And I agree, he definitely is a man deserving of his flowers. Yeah, yeah, deserving of his flowers. Yeah, and
1: and along with that, kind of like what you, I think, uh, we're alluding to with Mark Curry. I get the sense that when you are in the hurly burly mm-hmm. of Hollywood and you're black, Robert Townsend gives good counsel. Yes, you know, not just how to direct, not to but just general, yeah, yeah. good counsel yeah. Like, like he is someone who a has been around mm-hmm. a really long time. like he talked about being an extra in in mahogany and yeah. and then, you know you, you know he's in Cooley high for 30 seconds, but also he seems like a really he has a really generous spirit. Mm hmm. So, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: And, and still doing good work because he shows up in um, the bear,
1: shows up in bear. And he was fantastic. Absolutely. Like, 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 you know, we talk about him as a director and we talked about this when we did when we reviewed Harlem Shuffle. Like, Hollywood Shuffle. I, I'm sorry, Hollywood Shuffle. Like, I think he has a really charming slash charismatic f- film presence. Mm hmm. Like, just his presence. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Thumbs up, Robert Townsend.
0: Thumbs up, Robert Townsend. Thank you, Corey. Mm-hmm. All right. We got another email, Vincent. Okay. Uh, from Michael Lockett. Hey, Michael. Uh, subject line is, oh, hell nah. Oh, no. What's up, fellas? Before I say word one about Vampire in Brooklyn and Flashdance... <laughs> Boy, I love how I love putting these episodes together. I know that's, that's how Michael's doing it. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. I am respectfully asking the kind gentleman, smack talking track, truck Turner, to cease and desist. <laughs> the film is entertaining on so many levels, and for his own sense of peace, I must remind him that pimp smack. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now. I was hoping to find a connection between Vampire in Brooklyn and Flashdance and came up with zero. <laughs> It would be scary if you came up with one, actually, Michael. Uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, I remember uh, it being better than it was. I'm an oldish head and saw it in the theaters. On the rewatch, it comes off like Wes Craven and Eddie Murphy testing stuff out on other people's dime for later projects. Mm. Flashdance, to me, is not a black film, as I think if you did put Demi Moore or another young racially ambiguous actress of the time in it, they could have pulled it off, especially with the three body doubles. The film doesn't center any aspect of blackness to me. Fair point. Mm -hmm. Finally, on the topic of recruitment for the team, Mm -hmm. if you two headed the trade delegation, who are some of our more problematic folks A.K.A. Stacy Dash oh. that you might want to part with, and who would we want back in return? Uh, all the best, Michael Lockett. Whew. Yeah, I hate this game. So you don't want to play? Yes, yeah.
1: because you know, look, look, look. Maybe y'all's families are perfect. Maybe maybe y'all got perfect families. It's effed up people in my family. It's still my family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Stacy Dash and Clarence Thomas and 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 Negro de jour that I don't like. I don't like them. I'm not trading nobody. Likewise, conversely, Lord knows I love some some Tina Marie mm-hmm. and some Hall Oats. Mm-hmm. And hell, some David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can love each other and then <coughs> give each other a pound and everybody go home at the end of the night.
0: What a, who's the who's the border? Like that's me though. Who's the boy that everybody thought was black that worked were Quincy Jones on all of his albums? Oh, um was in Heat Wave. Yeah. What was his I name? I just lost him. Was it Temperton? No, Rod Temperton. Was it Rod yeah, Temperton?
1: Temperton? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Rod Temperton. Rye
0: yeah, Temperton. I don't like this game either. But I, I would pass um, Clarence Thomas. I would kick him out of the cookout. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna kick him out, but I would kick him out of the cookout. You know, as some cousins, you you do have to
1: take. Around the corner from the family reunion, and beat their ass. That would be Clarence Thomas. But then you come back to the family reunion.
0: Does he know?
1: Yeah. And like your, your parents and your uncles and
0: so everybody pretends they don't see the bruises on them. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Clarence Thomas dog. Yeah. I I don't know. I think yeah. I think. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think Clarence Thomas might be, um what was that Dave Chappelle bit? The blind man? Remember the KKK? <laughs> Clayton Bixby. Clayton Bixby. I think that's Clarence Clayton Thomas. Clayton Bixby, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. But uh, all right, you said so. Right. Last email. It's from Michael Sykes. Hey, Michael. Hey, Lennon Vincent. There are some movies I know somewhere down the line y'all are going to review, such as Money Talk starring Chris Tucker, mm-hmm. Most Wanted with. Kenan Ivory Wayne's fled with Lawrence Fishburne and Stephen Baldwin and Lowdown, Dirty Shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Len, I know you are very picky with movies, so I can't <laughs> wait <laughs> to... well, Only
1: when he hasn't had a nap.
0: <laughs> Sometimes he hasn't had a Snickers. So I can't wait. I just had, I had a bunch of Snickers melt in my pocket <laughs> that I just had to throw out. Yeah, see if he had eaten them. <laughs>
1: You would like King of New York more.
0: <laughs> no, the problem was I had a hand warmer in my pocket <laughs> in my pocket and I forgot that I had stickers in there. Right, right. And I reached for a sticker I was like, ah right, right, yeah. right, right. anyway, uh Len, I know you're very picky with movies, so I can't wait to y'all review the Players Club starring Ice Cube because I know for a fact you won't like that movie. And <laughs> If you do, it will surprise me. Love your fan, Michael Sykes. I think he's saying you're a hater. (laughs) You know, I don't like this narrative. Uh, Hey, man.
1: Because it's not a fair narrative. 300 plus episodes speak for themselves.
0: What? The the greater I I enjoyed the greater uh, number of our films. All I said.
1: Was 300-plus episodes speak for themselves. Now, whatever they say is what they
0: say. Now, that being said, I have actually never seen the Players Club. Okay. So, I don't know whether or not I will like it. Okay. So, I do look forward to seeing the Players Club. I have seen the
1: Players Club. I don't know how much...
0: I'm looking forward to seeing it again, okay so all right all right uh, I don't lose my black card because I haven't seen the players club right That's not See, one of those something things
1: else something
0: else black cards and I well, this, think it's stuff people should know well there's some things that people should know right. well, you always pe- think people are dubious about their black card anyway right like you know think it's a it's a myth or whatever right okay, right. all right. right all right, that's our emails, ladies and gentlemen um thank you if you have. Thoughts of your own that you want to share with us, please feel free to email us at the Michelle Mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. It is now time for what is affectionately known as the Game of Kings. That's right. As we present six degrees of Durville Martin. Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent two actors, and he has six films or less to connect them to. Derville Martin, that man of the never-ending summer of the 70s fame. Mm-hmm. Vincent, keeping in theme, okay. we are going to be reviewing Summer of Sam with stars John Leguazama. Yes, it does. Whose initials are JL. Yes, they are. Another actor whose initials are J.L., who I am asking you to connect to Durville Martin in six movies or less Mm -hmm. is one, John Lovitz. John
1: Lovitz. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about John
0: Lovitz in movies. And yet he's been in a fair number of them.
1: Is he's in that Saturday Night Live cohort. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. It's like then what like what movies? He in? was
0: there with like Dana Carvey and <coughs> there with Mike Myers? I think he is around there around that time. I don't know if he's in Wayne's world. He's not in
1: so, like, was he there with Phil Hartman?
0: I'll tell you that he's not in Wayne's work. You know what? He no. is in a movie that you
1: love, though. Phil Hartman made me think. Is he part of the crew of all those insanely talented people that they don't use at all in Jumpin' Jack Flash? Remember she worked at the office and it's like Phil Hartman... And, like, 90,000 of those early 80s comedians, and they're in, like, three scenes, and then, like, whoever, and then, like, they say, oh, we don't need this. We got jumping Jack Flash going on. Is, she, is he in Jumpin' Jack Flash?
0: He's in Jumpin' Jack Flash. That okay. was the movie I was alluding to. That. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, bad. Good it's, memory.
1: Well, remember, it was like- No, no, I was, remember. It was so bizarre. I remember, but right. was, remember, but it's easily- Forgotten? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I just well again. I knew it was a, a bunch of them people mm-hmm. in the, in that mm-hmm. room because we pointed out right. It's... And then the director was like, "Eh, Phil Hartman and John Lovitz. Ah, eh, we don't need them." But um, okay, I'll do it like this. Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> I was thinking about I was thinking about this the other day, a film that that featured syphilis. It's like, it's so weird that movie was about syphilis because Dervil Martin is in the final come down with Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. Billy D. Williams is in the, um, the Scott Joplin story. Oh, yes. With um, Margaret Avery. Margaret Avery is in The Color Purple with Whoopi Goldberg, who's in Jumpin' Jack Flash with John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Very good, Vincent. John Lovitz. Well done.
0: Well done. All right. Initials. Initials. What else is John Lovitz in? Oh, he's in... Like, uh, what's another movie he's in that I would have known about oh, or that I should have known about? That same year as Jumping Jack Flash, he appears in Three Amigos. He appeared... In three Amigos? He's got a, an appearance in Three Amigos. He's in Big,
1: Tom Hanks movie. I have no memory of him, and quote, truth be told, I don't have much memory about
0: Big. The movie that you probably, I, I'm pretty, I think it's safe to say you saw City Slickers 2, because he replaces Bruno, Bruno Kirby's character Die. Bruno Kirby died, so he's in the sequel to, to City Slickers.
1: Bruno Kirby is not in City Slickers 2?
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He died in between. I'm finding out right now, Bruno Kirby died. Did oh, yeah. I know Bruno Kirby died. Yeah, he died very, he died tragically very, very early. Oh, that is terrible. Yeah, was it accidental? Was he sick? I can't remember exactly. Um, God, why am I finding out Bruno Kirby? I'm, did you, you, all this time, you, you thought he was still kind of doing things. I thought he just sort of stopped making movies. Oh no, 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 no. I'm, it's sort of
1: like my man who's in it. Not what's, what's the other dude? Daniel. Daniel. Um.
0: It's right to other city slicker, it, Vincent. I'm doing like nine things at the same time here. Um, Bruno Curry died in 2006, so actually he didn't die in between there. So maybe he just didn't want to be doing city slickers too. Um, Are you sure he's not in city slickers too? No, he's not. It it it, it, it says he. I knew that um, John Levis replaced him. A sequel to City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, was released in 1994 with the same cast, with the exception of Kirby, who was replaced by John Lovitz.
1: Right. I thought he was like, and hey, who's the other Slicker? Dan, Daniel? uh, the, Daniel Stern. Yeah, I thought like Daniel Stern just kind of done make movies. Oh, my God. Daniel Stern isn't dead, is he? Daniel Stern is still very
0: much alive. Okay, good. <laughs> He's still alive. All right. He's still alive. Okay. But yes, Bruno Bruno Kirby passed in in 2006. That's too bad. Um, But Bruno Kirby famously is a guy who I know it's very particular about his roles, Mm -hmm. And I could see him doing City Slickers and City Slickers is a good movie. Oh, absolutely. Solid. But it's probably a movie that hits above its weight. Like, because it had every reason to be just a piece of, you know, just fluff. Look, it's, it's during that pocket. It's
1: during that Billy Crystal pocket where Billy Crystal, frankly, was like, he was becoming like the, the $20 million man. And I think everything that you just said, like every movie that Billy Crystal was in city slickers, three amigos, when Harry met South. No, I'm sorry. Um, when Harry met Sally, um, um, what's our movie with, with, um, Oh, uh, running scared, running scared none of them have any right to be as good as they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Billy Crystal is part of what elevates all of them.
0: Yeah. And and I think I'm funny. I think I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised with knowing how particular Bruno Kirby is that when they come around saying they want to do a sequel mm-hmm. of... um sequel of City City Slickers, Slickers, especially when they say, because if you remember, they killed off Jax Palance's character in the first one. And then brought back his twin. Brought back his twin. I could see Bruno Kirby reading that. It's like, yeah, that's real. I'm not doing this. I'm good.
1: Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, Because, you know, let's be clear. I really only know him for City Slickers and When Harry Met Sally. And I just love him so much in both of them.
0: Bruno Bruno Kirby. Kirby? Oh, like those
1: are my big two when I think Bruno Kirby.
0: Oh, wow. You know what? You know, the first film that I go to when I think about Bruno Kirby Mm-mm. is The Godfather 2. He plays a young Clemenza. Oh, he sure
1: does. He sure does. He doesn't. Does he have a mustache? No, no. He doesn't have no, a mustache, no, he, he yeah, have, okay. have right. but
0: he's he's young Clemenza. All right. That's 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 my Bruno Kirby. All right. All right. Rest in peace, Bruno Kirby. Sorry, Vincent. I know. <laughs> Um, all right, keeping it, keeping it moving and keeping it in theme. Okay. We're reviewing The Summer of Sam, which alongside John Leguizamo stars Adrian Brody, mm-hmm. whose initials are A B. Okay, so now we're doing an A B. So in six films or less, mm-hmm. Connect Durville Martin to mm-hmm. Alison Brie. Allison Bree. Allison I, I literally heard Dylan from behind the control board say, because we know you're blind spot by now. No, what, what a bad thing is I really like Alice. I've Brie, heard you say that. Before. But, but you
1: know, I really like her because of TV. Community yeah, <laughs> and Mad Men mm-hmm. and the two episodes of Glow mm-hmm. that I just didn't. But. Allison and Brie in movies. Mm hmm. She she was just, speaking of community, she was just in something with Daniel Purdy, Daniel Purdy, because it was like a little mini community reunion, and what's-his-name is in it? Jay Ellis. What's the movie she was just in with Jay
0: Ellis? I don't know. What's the last movie she was in? The last movie she was in was called Freelance. No, it's a romantic thing. Somebody I used to
1: know. Is that Jay Ellis? So somebody I used to know. Yes, bad. Okay. Isn't any good? I didn't see it, but I, it was on oh. my list that I wanted to see. How how long is this list? It's ever growing. <laughs> I, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This came out a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. So I got to get to Jay Ellis fast because. All right.
0: Okay. All right, bet. So, yeah, what are the movies do you know him from? So, um,
1: Derville Martin is in the final come down with Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. Billy D. Williams is in Batman eighty nine with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson is in a few Good Men with Tom Cruise. Very good. Tom Cruise is in Top Gun Maverick. With Jay Ellis, very good, very good. Vincent. Who's in somebody I used to know with Allison with Bree. Very good, very good. I wow. just watched Tom Top Gun Maverick last week. Like, how is that, you,
0: boy? Because I'm not a Maverick, a uh, Top Gun guy.
1: I compl- like you ever watch something and say, "Oh, I completely see how they got pulled into this shit." This is the. Top Gun Maverick is the most dad rock (laughs) movie. Like when Top Gun Maverick went off, like I wanted to go and like listen to Danger Zone. Like the Mike Love Beach Boys and like eat a seven layer Frito dip. Like it really got to you. Like I I was I was a, a a white baby boomer dude. When it was really? like like I like you completely understand how like the white dude who watches World War Two documentaries mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and like like I listen to Jimmy Buffett, like that guy mm-hmm. you, you know, I don't know if they like I don't know if they really and watches like what is it, Yellowstone? Yeah. yeah. Like I watch Yellowstone. Oh, Top Gun Maverick is, is absolute. It's like America. Fuck. Yeah. The movie.
0: Really? But is it? But so I just want to make sure you're saying you enjoyed it. I 100 like like I turned it on because I was grading papers.
1: Okay. And I said, I need like, so you were turning it on for background. I turned it on for background. Like, pardon the pun. I actually turned it on for white noise.
0: Okay. And okay.
1: with, that's always great in papers. Boy, Lynn, that damn Tom Cruise. It you that in. That damn Tom Cruise. Got you. They actually do not actually make movie stars like, like Tom no, Cruise. No, they don't. Not like anymore. Everything they say, like they actually do not make them like Tom Cruise. I know. Tom Cruise got his ass in that plane and started doing that Maverick stuff. Mm-hmm. Said, well, I'd be damn if I'm not pulled in to this. Damn, and then he's flying the plane, and, and he's on the motorcycle, and then and there's Tom Cruise, and ooh, I'm the commanding officer, ooh, you frustrate me so much, Maverick. <laughs> oh, Maverick, you, ooh, you frustrate me. And it's like two strategically placed black guys mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are like, go get them. Mm-hmm. Go get him, like, you, you know, cause I'm a black guy in a Tom Cruise movie. Like mm. my role is to look at Tom Cruise and say, go get him. Mm. And then he went and got him. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious because you're right. I enjoyed it. I felt 100% manipulated. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 you could feel it manipulating you. But that's what
0: movies are supposed look, to do. they're supposed to get, look. Make you feel something. Look, that damn Top Gun Maverick. I'm curious because you mentioned how Tom Cruise, they don't make stars like him anymore. They actually don't. Have they ever made a black star akin to? Because Denzel is probably the closest I'm thinking of, and he's not on. Well, here's the thing with Denzel Washington. And to be
1: clear, actually, like, quietly I think Tom Cruise is a good actor. I do too. But I think that, I think Tom Cruise's charisma Mm-hmm. is actually bigger than his acting skill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which just says how big his charisma is yeah yeah i think denzel washington's acting is bigger than his charisma okay which says something about how much of an actor he is okay he's he, like he like yeah yeah there it is for my money denzel washington is the inverse of mm-hmm. tom cruise mm mm-hmm. mhm Like, like, I think he is wildly charismatic, Mm -hmm. but I just think he's, he's, he's that much like, like Tom Cruise could not have been in fences and Denzel Washington could not have been in this, like both of these are like the height of, yeah.
0: Your particular skill set. I remember reading years ago, I think it may have been in GQ. This was years ago when GQ Magazine was like, you know, what meant something. Mm-hmm. And they had mentioned it, it, it was like a listing of like the great superstar, the great stars, mm-hmm. act, acting stars. Right. And number two was Cary Grant. Okay. And they said Cary Grant is the most movie star of actors. He can act, yeah, but his persona is so strong, right, that you can't see past that when he's doing these doing these roles, right. Um, and number one was Tom Cruise. You know what? Usually, you you know me. Usually, I
1: grumble, grumble about these lists, but and you these can't white uh, dudes that get together and make these lists, but.
0: Yeah. you can't argue with dude, that. You can't deny him. No. Like you, like, like, even then, and this was like at least dude, 10, 15 years ago. If
1: you describe Top Gun to me and certainly Top Gun Maverick, the sequel, there's nothing on earth that this sounds like something mm-hmm. that I would be pulled in and be talking about it like this. Like we've never been talking about Top Gun Maverick for however long we've seen. Look, look, I was on the edge of my seat watching a film that I knew exactly what the plot was going to be when Mm -hmm. the film came on. Because, again, ain't no surprises in Top Gun. Right. Like, you know exactly what it is. You know where it's going. But, boy, I didn't. Like, like, Lynn, is, 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 is he going to, is he going to make it? in the time a <laughs> yeah, lot of, like a
0: heist movie like like, like remember, it, yeah. you, you know
1: is, is is he gonna win this, like is he gonna win this dog fight <laughs> is he gonna be able to convince this woman to be with him like can he do it <laughs> can he do it <laughs> can he do it <laughs> won't he do it and then you're happy when he did it like he actually like like there was some <laughs> like he did something right <laughs> but Jay Ellis is in it and I was happy for him
0: Hey, get that money. I was like, all right,
1: Jay Ellis. Get that chip, man. I see you in the Gun
0: movie. Yeah, some points on that. Look, handle. man, probably not, but... Yeah. 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 All
1: right. All right. I, I, I watched Gosford Park. <laughs> I bet I had a better time than you did. No, you didn't. I 100% had a better time than you did. Because they said you can't make this run in under... Two minutes, mm-hmm. they said it was impossible because you pull up in the G's, the G Force would press on your chest, and it can't be done. And then Maverick stole a plane, and, and the, the commanders are Maverick. Maverick.
0: Maverick. Maverick!
1: And then Maverick took the, the plane and, and then he he did it under the tom. And then, like, because we can't we can't offend nobody because of the Asian market, they were fighting the enemy. <laughs> That's a direct quote. The enemy. They
0: never showed their faces. They just had like the mask on in they, they the, the Full mask on, and they had
1: fifth generation fighters, which do something different. Of course. Than our fighter planes. And they said, if you run up into them, you're already dead because there's nothing our planes can do against a fifth generation fighter. But you know what, Len? Something that comes out in the film. Apparently, it's not about the plane, it's about the the pilot. pilot. It's about the pilot. Who sometimes makes a difference regardless of the. plane. And I don't know if you, you know, so you talk about these fifth generation fighter planes and then lo and behold, in the third act. You know, some of these fifth generation fighter planes show up. Mm -hmm. Really? It's it's the craziest thing. Wow. And then Tom Cruise is in a plane that just so happens to look like the plane that he had in the original Top Gun. Well, that's
0: not fifth generation. It's not fifth
1: generation at all. And certainly not, you know, it's old.
0: Yeah. Probably needs to be retired. He probably broke broke it out of a
1: museum. He basically does. But, you know, not to spoil it, because I know we have people that don't want us to spoil things. But do you know that because Maverick has that American grit, he is able to defeat the fifth generation fighter? Really? Returns triumphant. Well, all right. Top Gun Maverick. America. Gets the girl. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and he gets the girl. Because oh. we didn't know. We didn't know if he was going
0: to get the girl. We don't know. He actually gets the girl. Wow. He's a lucky man. All right, ladies and all gentlemen. Right. Where were we? Oh, it's time <laughs> for... <laughs> it is... Not a black movie. <laughs> but what may be a black movie is the film that we're about to review. And that is The Summer of Sam by writer, co writer, and director Spike Lee up next on the Michel Mission. We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it.
1: Uh-huh. Hey, I had a real
0: good time tonight. Are you busy tomorrow night? Mm-hmm. I'd really like to see you again. There was something in the air. You dance so great tonight, baby. Ah, because you're beautiful. New York City, 1977. Is that Richie? Satan guys. If you come back to the neighborhood looking like a freak? You're supposed to be okay with that? A time of endless possibilities. You wanna be my dog? A naughty girl. And serial hysteria. Double homicide. Police received a letter from the 44 caliber killer, calling himself the son of Sam. What would happen? I just saw the bodies. I am the monster, Beelzebub. In one hot summer, he's a victim six and seven. In one neighborhood. Vinny saw the dead bodies last night. Saw the bodies? Between friends and lovers. The son of Sam Killer who has been targeting young women has caused panic-stricken brunettes to dye their hair blonde. I feel like I'm cheating on you with you. Anyone is a target. I think he's after me. I'm gonna be number eight. Can you know I lay five to one to kill us from right here? uh oh. And everyone is a suspect. It's a blackout. We understand that the lights are out. You stay in your house, lock your doors. City that never sleeps has come to a standstill. I know who the killer is. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> what the <matter> with you? <laughs> what kind of gun does the killer use? 44 caliber, right? What's Reggie's number? 44. <laughs> Reggie's the son of Sam. <laughs> They think he's the son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer. Benny, stop it!
1: Nobody gets in my neighborhood without me knowing it. You think I'm the son
0: of Sam? Everybody's got two personalities, man.
1: A spike rejoined Jennifer Esposito, and Ben Gazzara. That psycho is gonna have no place to hide. In 1977, The Summer Belonged to
0: Sam. Summer of Sam is a 1999 American crime thriller film about the 1977... David Berkowitz, AKA son of Sam serial murders and their effect on a group of fictional residents of an Italian American neighborhood in the Bronx in the late seventies, the killer, David Berkowitz, his murders and the investigations are shown in the film, but the focus is on two young men from the neighborhood, Vinnie, John Legozama, whose marriage is faltering due to his cheating and Richie, played by Adrian Brody, Vinny's childhood friend who has embraced punk music and uh, fashion. This film, which also stars Mira Servino, Jennifer Esposito, and Anthony LaBaglia, features a script written by Victor Colicchio, Michael Imperioli of The Sopranos fame Mm -hmm. and a bit role in this film, and a third writer, who also doubled as the director, won Spike Lee in a film that does feature music by one Terrence Blanchard, mm-hmm. a frequent uh, collaborator with Spike Lee. Vincent, what say you of this Spike Lee joint, Summer of Sam? Well,
1: as we've been doing all month, we actually have two questions to answer with this film. Our usual question, do we recommend this film? How do we feel about this film critically? Mm -hmm. And then our question during Black History Month, would this be a black film? Right. I think the, 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 the first question, you know, I am I'm very fond of this period. Of Spike Lee filmmaking, so this is the the period of, of he got game. Um, I think Bamboozled is the film he makes after this. Mm-hmm. You know, I lump Get on the Bus, Twenty uh, Fifth Hour. Like this is a fully mature Spike Lee as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and and I think as a filmmaker, you see some of 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 the filmmaking prowess of Spike Lee at this moment I I think as as he said there's a film that that in a lot of ways is on an ensemble but it centers on these two characters um Vinnie and Richie in in the midst of this 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 summer of when when the son of Sam is murdering people but as as you said in the description <clears throat> while that's the 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 kind of sexy Backdrop. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. Like, like this is a real time of instability. You know. Besides what we what we talk about with with the son of Sam, um, the Yankees are pursuing the 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 the, pennant, World, Series. the World Series pennant. Um, there, there's there's a blackout that is on the horizon because this is a, this is um infamously uh, record-breaking a heat, wave. heat wave that that you know causes a blackout at at some point and then just culturally 1977 is 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 this hotbed of 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 change and things going on. like we're talking about Richie played by Adrian Brody who is is basically you, you know a punk like yeah. like he's really becoming immersed in punk rock culture, which historically is true in, in the 70s in New York at this moment. But at the same time, what we call disco is a cultural phenomenon, mm-hmm. you, you know, historically if this is set in the summer, kind of the, the, the. The, the culmination of disco as a pop culture phenomenon happens a few months after the summer because Saturday night fever comes out in, I believe December of 1977. Yeah. So while, while the dance scenes in here don't, re, don't reflect the post Saturday night fever phenomenon, certainly this is what was bubbling. Yeah. And that and kind you of, see it in the fashions that, that you see it in the fashions and everything. And I, I like Spike Lee's move. Like, I like the way he captured, it. you know, when the film comes on, noted New Yorker Jimmy Breslin kind of introduces it, who not only was a part of the Summer of Sam Son of Sam phenomena, uh David Berkowitz infamously sent letters mm-hmm. to Jimmy Breslin, who was a columnist and journalist. But, you know, he really is kind of an old school New Yorker. Definitely. And I think. Spike Lee situates this film mm. as a New York film. Like mm-hmm. this is a New York film mm-hmm. and in 1999 we are, you know, I don't think New York is 100% gentrified in 1999, no, no. but it, but it is certainly well on its way. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like New York in 1999 is not New York in 1991. No and and even by 1999 you had New Yorkers Native New Yorkers sort of talking about how it has changed and and what it used to look like and I think Spike Lee captures this sense of place this whether we're talking about this Bronx neighborhood even the moments that you see in where David Berkowitz is living mm-hmm. and then when they venture out of the Bronx and go downtown where you know where CB CBG is and everything, and 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 you you get this New York, um, a couple of the moves that you get from this this moment Spike Lee you see in here like the oversaturation to show kind of David Berkowitz's mindset yeah. and and you know there's there's a bit of the crane that we talk about with Spike Lee but not as stylized mm-hmm. as you would see in earlier Spike Lee. I think there is a strategic move that Spike Lee makes with this film that we've talked about before where where we've talked about Spike Lee in his blind spots and, you know, something like get on the bus where where we, we said that, you know, Spike Lee. Kind of has a blind spot for women characters, so it's just no women in Get, get on, on the on bus. The bus. Right. And and likewise, we've talked about Spike Lee perhaps not being as strong of a script writer mm-hmm. as he is filmmaker. So you look at something again, like get on the bus where, where where he doesn't write the script. And as you said, he's the third writer on this script. But since then I've seen things that Michael Imperiorly has written. And I very strongly suspect that Spike Lee's name on this script he really was the third writer. Like I'm, I'm like I don't know how much he actually had to do with this script, and and I say that as a compliment to the script. Mm. Like I like the characters in here <laughs> a bit. The acting, I, I like a lot of the actors in this movie. Um, I love Adrian Brody. I do too. Like I love Adrian Brody, and I enjoyed Adrian Brody's performance in this film as somebody. Who is again this kind of proto-punk, mm-hmm. kind of figuring out how to be a punk, but also this kind of hustler. You, you know, yeah. you know, he's making money by by performing in a gay bar downtown, and, and you know, mm-hmm. and he's doing a bit of sex work. And and you know, he Gadrian just has these, you know, these wonderful, soulful eyes mm-hmm. that you see everything kind of going on with it. John Leguizamo, I like John Leguizamo, but I have to say I always get a bit of comedic energy from John Leguizamo that kind of ran up against the overall tone of
0: this film. Because he's not necessarily on a comic vibe. Because it's not a comic vibe at
1: all. Although I must say towards the end where he begins to unravel Mm -hmm. and there's this, this this mania because he starts to abuse drugs and, 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 and he's losing complete control of his personal life. Mm -hmm. I, I liked his energy. Like I liked that manic energy that you get the last half hour or so. Okay. Um, I really like Mira Servino. Okay. And I really like Mira Servino in this as a sort of put upon wife Mm -hmm. who can't figure out, what is the deal <clears throat> with her husband played by John Leguizamo, who's been cheating on her and and everything. And I like she she as much as I like Adrian Brody in this film, I think Mira Cervino may have been my favorite performance in here. Uh likewise, I've always liked Jennifer Esposito. Me too. Always like Jennifer Esposito. She doesn't get quite as much to do mm-hmm. in this film, but as someone who the bulk of her screen time is opposite Adrian Brody. I think she does well. Like, I think she, she kind of carries it and you know, the script part of the reason I know Spike Lee only had, but so much, to do with this script is because for as much as, and and you know, we can talk about this, you know, some critics, you know, I think critics have always been very sensitive about the way Spike Lee depicts Italian Americans. Because, you know, some real New York stuff with black people and Italian Americans in New York. I found the depiction of this community surprisingly nuanced. Mm. Like, you know, you got some meatheads. Yep. You know, it's yep. always the, the sort of Italian meathead course that you have, mm. frankly, in a Spike Lee movie. And not just a Spike Lee movie. Like, like I, you know, I think, you, you, you know, I think I mentioned it a, a month ago. I've kind of been halfway working through The Sopranos. And I don't think the meatheads in here are any worse than the first season of The Sopranos.
0: Mm-hmm. But there is a, um, a lot of the same actors.: A lot of the
1: same actors. but um, Ben Gazzaro plays mm. basically the local oh, mob boss.: God. Yeah. Everything. It, I can't see like, the thing. I can't turn this anyway. thing.: And like I this. really liked him. Like I really liked this sort of low-level neighborhood. mm mm-hmm organized crime guy like like there's this great scene with him and um al pagonia who plays a detective from the neighborhood who anthony Lepata i'm sorry anthony Lepata, who plays a detective um from the neighborhood who comes with his partner one of the very few black actors in this film <laughs> roger gouverneur smith you know spike lee utility man but they have this wonderful scene where they're talking about um Anthony Lapata becoming a policeman and mm-hmm. going into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And 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 Binker Gazar Luigi has this wonderful little monologue about him going into law enforcement, and it's basically a a a low level betrayal Mm -hmm. when, you know, I wanted you to come into business with me. And, 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 you know, you know, as you know, as you know, I'm just a simple plumber, but you also could have been a great plumber. And you like, like kind of the hurt that he didn't go and become a plumber. And then, yeah, well, during the blackout, infamously, this is a moment where there is looting. Yes. In riding throughout New York. Sp-
0: particularly in Brooklyn. Particularly and in Harlem. Brooklyn,
1: Harlem, downtown. And this was the best sort of depiction of this stereotype of the sort of Italian-Americans going to protect a neighborhood. hmm Like... He tells them, you know, you know, get send the guys out, give them some bats. And he says, you know, but string up some lights. And, you know, we're gonna give out, you know, cannoli and this. And I'm like, huh. This is something, you know, and even the Italian meatheads, again, it's like Italian meatheads from central casting. But there's this wonderful little detail where there's a character named Bobby, yeah, who is an out gay man. Mm-hmm. Very overtly feminine, very out. And some guys from outside the neighborhood beat him up. And that's the point. They're outside the neighborhood. They're outside the neighborhood. So we're neighborhood guys. We're homophobic. We've used homophobic language throughout the film. But Bobby is part of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So therefore, these other guys are going to catch holy hell. Mm -hmm. So that even that. I was like, yeah, you know, now yeah. the other thing you get with later Spike Lee, and and we, you know, I say this all the time about these these sort of really well celebrated directors. Mm-hmm. No one is really in the business of telling them no, right? The film is, you know, it's like two hours and fifty, Plus, yeah, yeah, two hours twenty minutes, and look, it's 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 too long. It's too long, but again, I'm going to say that pretty much about 99% of the movies that we watch that are over two hours. And certainly once you get one of these great directors Mm -hmm. later in his career, I'm going to say there's a bit of indulgence. Yeah. Having said that though, oftentimes with these films, I see places where you can kind of you see the cut, you see the cut. But I think the challenge with something like the Summer of Sam, going back to what I said in the beginning, this is an utterly fascinating moment in history. Mm -hmm. Where where, where the film does a a great job showing the paranoia that kind of takes over. I think the way it parallels... This rise of punk with, you you know, this sort of neighborhood disco and and how they kind of clash with one another. There's a scene where where at one point Vinny and his wife, you you know, they leave the neighborhood and end up at Studio 54. Mm -hmm. And this is the real like this is the real disco. This is the real club life. And, and frankly, they end up in a drug fueled orgy,
0: right? Because they
1: are, because they, they don't get into studio 54, but then some studio 54 people come out and kind of gather and scoop them in. And you realize they are completely out of their
0: depth. Right. They show like up, uh, Plato's resort. Right?
1: right. Right. And they go in and, and, and end up in a situation that, that, you know, y'all are the big fish in this little disco in the neighborhood. But you in down you in downtown Manhattan in 1977 now, and it is a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, certainly there's a, right, like you know, some scenes probably you could probably cut and and this, but I I couldn't like I couldn't put my finger on a scene and say this complete scene could be gone. Which kind of goes into my argument about whether or not it's a black film. Because, frankly, you know, I haven't seen this film in probably 10 years. Like, this is not one of my go-to later Spike Lee films. And it certainly isn't my quote-unquote white film. Like, I always go to um, 25th Hour.
0: Okay, just to correct one thing that you mentioned earlier, he actually did this film after he got Game, after he got okay, yeah. But it's in this right mm-hmm. in this moment, um,
1: because this is clearly a Spike Lee film, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's it, If Spike Lee made the film, it's a black film, and certainly if he, you know, it's not like a case of um, where John Singleton directed one of the Fast and Furious films, right. but there was nothing about the film. That like if you had told me, if you had never told me John Singleton directed this film, I never would have known John Singleton directed this film. Mm-hmm. Like between Terrence Blanchard and, and the camera stuff, like if you had showed this to me, I would have said, wow, this feels like a Spike Lee film. Right. And then, you know, Roger Gouverneur Smith shows up. But it's um, I, I really was interested in this kind of counter narrative that Lee does with this film. Mm-hmm. That you see him, you know, whether we're talking about Miracle at St. Anna, where he does World War II, mm-hmm. or, or even the Five Bloods, mm-hmm. where he reclaims Vietnam, where I really saw this as this counter narrative to something like Saturday Night Fever, where Saturday Night Fever kind of set up this, this real, frankly, whitewashed version of club culture and of disco which then turned it into the fad that it did which then kind of disturbed destroyed the club culture the irony of course is that if you ever watched Saturday Night Fever it's actually this kind of It's a very dark film. It's a very dark kind of character study but I think yeah. what people pulled away from it was the flash the, the dancing, flash and the, the disco fashion. dancing yeah. which turned to this thing but so much of the summer of Sam kind of parallel, like like I see it again as this sort of text that he wants to set beside the Saturday Night Fever phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Like this is what's really good. You know, this is what really happened. And again, I say this because again and again throughout the film, he sort of visually alludes to Saturday Night Fever, whether it's the clothes That Vinny wears, whether it's it's it's, you know, the way kind of Vinny moves, whether it's 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 the fact that you have actual club music. Like I love the soundtrack of this film, like you have the actual kind of club music that gets played until it's time for something outside of the club and then you get ABBA like I love how ABBA is used in this film to let you know that now this is a moment of artifice mm-hmm. as opposed to the club itself. So, so that I I, I was going to land on it's a black film even before I watched it. And then after I finished it, I was like, oh yeah, this is absolutely Spike Lee kind of bringing his counter narrative to it, which makes it even more strongly a black film. So that I land on, I like the film. hmm
0: and I think it's a black film. All right. I don't think it's a black film. Mm-hmm. I don't like the film. Mm-hmm. Here is why. I do agree with you that Spike Lee is trying to bring this, this, the counter narrative. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. What I agree with you is that Spike Lee is trying to take all these disparate points. The the Son of Sam killings, the the heat wave that is has that taking over the summer in New York, the New York New York Yankees rallying, the mm-hmm. paranoia that is growing in, in New York in general, but by focus of this movie in this neighborhood. And he's trying to to use all of this and put this in this pot as this this bubbling you know um, mood of anxiety and fear fearfulness that is um, and desperation that is growing in everyone in this in the film all of the characters. John Leguizamo's character, Vinny, because, you know, in his philandering on his wife, he he runs um, kind of tangentially across the son of Sam, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the area of one of the one of the murders and now thinking that the son of Sam saw him and that he he is marked for death soon. Um, The. Richie kind of like a bit of a poser as far as this whole punk move movement uh, aesthetic. That he has taken on, but in trying to take it on, I th- you see a guy who's trying to kind of like find himself at mm-hmm. this at this at this cross point of where they're moving out of being just the young teenage knuckleheads on the neighborhood and moving into like they're young adults. And what does that mean? So, you know, how do you want to show up in this world as a young adult? So I I think. Adrian Brody to your point such a soulful actor because of his eyes and just because of his talent um is a very interesting person to put in this role to show someone trying to to really find his, find his way trying to really um confront himself sexually because you say you know he's he's a hustler he's out there doing doing uh Basically, almost like turning tricks after stripping. Yeah, I don't and, know how almost it is. Well, only because you don't see what's happening behind the door. So, right. but he's doing something. Yeah, you know that he's doing some kind of sexual sexual work, like you said. But he has this real, honest, affectionate relationship. With Jennifer Esposito's character, who the film makes it, makes no, um, takes no shorts with it, is kind of like the girl that quote unquote got around in the neighborhood. Like all the guys know the Jennifer Esposito character. Mm -hmm. Yet he, he has developed an actual true relationship with her that, um, there, there's interest. There's interest. There. You want to know what's happening? You talk about Jennifer Esposito, a, 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 an actress who I feel in her prime. This is definitely her prime. Didn't get the moment yeah. to shine as much as as she her talent deserves. Um, curiously enough, the the role that Mira mm-hmm. Savino plays was written for Jennifer. Esposito. you yeah. know. Yeah. But then they decided to cast her in this, and I think she probably does like. Get the the character that she plays a little over more. The shame of the movie you mentioned about how there's not enough of her. And when she is, she's kind of like all she's always, almost always with Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Um the real shame is, is that's the story, at least I mm-hmm. want to follow. Because I'm curious into that backstory. How are they relating to one another? How are they getting getting along? They both seemingly seem unaffected by the paranoia that's going on around them because because they seem to be almost in a bubble. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 punk world, the emergence of punk. punk punk culture in New York at this, at this time. It's not even emergence because CBGB is, is definitely a, a thriving thing at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's kind of like almost cocooned them from what is, what is going on around them so much so that they don't know that there are forces coming to them that will bear at, um, at the end of the film. Uh, that is like this missed opportunity, but in Spike Lee trying to, put all these desperate parts together. I think the failing is because Spike Lee is the third writer on here. and like there are some some earmarks to, to him in some of the some of the dialogue, but a lot of this plotting is by the the main writers, Victor Calicchio and Michael imperioli. And in Michael and in them, I see two guys that are trying to get their Martin Scorsese on Mm and, 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 and in, and in so doing this film fails at that because there's, because there's so much going on that I lose track a little bit of the, the connective tissue. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, they're telling me that there's paranoia in the neighborhood and there's, seems to be paranoia going on in the neighborhood because the script says that these characters have to give voice to it, but I don't feel the paranoia. It's not, it's it's not getting across to me. Um, And part of that is because the film takes so many divergences. We talk about the Richie character, Adrian Brody's character being like a sex worker Sex seems to be on a lot of people's mind in this movie because there is a lot of sex and mm-hmm. gratuitous um, nudity that is going on in the, on in this film. You talk about things that need to cut; that is what need needs to be cut. But the nudity is there, and it it it, it doesn't need to be there to the extent that it is. But the sex and that is happening to me it 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 doesn't connect to anything it doesn't the son of sam murders at least as far as we know there's not any overt sexual component mm-hmm. to it so it it's it doesn't bubble up in there there's not any connection between the sex that we see happening and the heat wave it's got nothing to do with the yankees and the meatheads that are all, all around. Yeah, they're they're homophobic and they got trash to talk about um the Jennifer Esposito character. But outside of that, you don't really it, 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 there's no connection to them in any of the sex and there is a lot of sex in this movie and I don't know whether or not that is the fault of the writers, mm-hmm. or it is the fault of Spike Lee, who we have mentioned we have trouble with the way that he writes He writes women. I don't think any of the women in this film are actually that well-developed. Mira Servino's character. I like Mira Servino. I like her character, but how yeah. much of her is really developed outside it, of her own. When you think about even the even the scene where she has with another woman, mm-hmm. this film does not pass the Bechtel test no. because they're talking about Vinny. Yeah. They're talking about her husband and she spends the majority of this movie worrying about her relationship about her a, a husband, her husband. So there's no real sense of any interiority with her at all. And um at least the Jennifer Esposito character is fighting, a, is rebelling, trying to rebel against the reputation that mm-hmm. she's developed in this, in this neighborhood, but at least from her, and maybe this is me just wanting it for Jennifer Zito, but I think she's given me the subtext of somebody who recognizes the reputation that she has, but that reputation is from these meatheads. Right. She is just somebody that just owns her sexuality, right? She doesn't have any misgivings on what she's, what she's done because when we're introduced to her, she is, has been seeing a guy for two weeks who has proven that and she's breaking up with him because like, dude, you're not about nothing. I ain't got time with you. Well, you know who she is.
1: She's the mirror version of, oh my goodness, I just forgot old girl's name. And I really like that actress in Saturday Night Fever.
0: Donna Pascal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. She is. Um, so, so I don't. I don't. Again, I don't feel like any of the women are even that well developed. God, heaven knows. I love myself some Patty Lepone, who plays Adrian Brody's mother. Even she gets a sex scene in Even this Jesus. movie, and like I'm like, God can can any woman be cast in this film that doesn't have to have a clause in their contract that says they got to take their top off? I'm like, Jesus Christ, y'all! What the hell are y'all doing? It, it, because it, 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 it she's the only one that takes her top off in the main cast. Okay, she's the only one that takes her top off in the main no, no. I, I believe Jennifer Esposito is shown it it's shown topless I think in the scene. She is I think she is. I think she is shown without a shirt and in a seat. I could be wrong. All right. There are so the, Patty Lapoon does, because that was a little it, you weren't expecting it. I was not expecting you were not that expecting when I got it. up this morning. Patty Lapone, matron of, of Broadway, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you are not expecting to see her take off her top. Right, um
1: well, now I've seen Patty Lapone's nipples happy black history happy black history
0: month, happy black history month. And, and 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 she has nothing to be ashamed of no, no, but, just, but it's just not, just not she, expecting she not, it not expecting it, yeah. not it. Yeah, yeah. um but th- but she is one of a parade of breasts that are in mm-hmm. this film so forgive me if i believe that every other you're person the, it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's a there's a lot in in this film. Um, and, and I just didn't see, I didn't see the connective tissue with them. And okay, if we're not going to spend as much time with Adrian Brody and Jennifer Esposito's character, which I think is the more interesting story. I want to spend so much time with this Vinny character and him being so racked with paranoia. Meanwhile, he's the biggest jerk off. And, it, it, and you know who else? That's who else you see. Uh, I think you see topless in this. You see uh, BB Newworth, Lilith. From- no, she has a bra on the whole time. Oh, you're right. All right. All right. Still. I can't believe we're... Because it's a lot. Anyway, but you spend so much time with Vinny, John Leguizamo, Mm -hmm. who, again, like you said, an actor, for the most part, I enjoy. Mm -hmm. But when I actually started going through my mental Rolodex, I think he's a little bit more missed than hit the times that I have seen him. Mm -hmm. And he definitely in this movie is a miss. Because I feel his character is all over the place. Um, and because of that, and because he is supposed, he is prim- primarily to me supposed to be our window into this world. Mm-hmm. He is supposed to be the connective tissue to Sam because of Sam supposedly stalking him. And you never get the sense that Sam is, is stalking him. Um But I don't feel this paranoia that he's saying he's feeling. I don't. I don't really feel it. I don't feel it. And then the 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 um, depictions of the son of Sam and that whole storyline that is running kind of alongside, almost like a B plot to this to this movie. Okay, admittedly, maybe they can't go. too deep into facts because how many facts are really known Mm -hmm. about the son of Sam. So it, and so he's trying to play with the facts that he knows and like stitch this story to it. But I just, I just don't, I just don't think that it it connects. I just, I, it it just doesn't connect with me at all. And it's, stuffed with with these actors, uh, you know, uh, Anthony LaPaglia and uh, Robert Gouvernate Smith as the cops who come into the film. Like, you don't want to cast these two guys as cops. I think I'm going to follow at least a little bit of them. Right, They are gone mm-hmm. for most of the film. And then when they do show up, they're kind of like almost in the background. They, they're they not really given anything to do except eat sandwiches at, at this lunchette. Lunchette with Ben Gazzara. And you talked about that monologue, great little monologue, almost like a moment out of out of a Martin Scorsese movie. And I don't really feel like they follow up with that. I don't I just don't feel I don't feel the building, the connective tissue. And I feel like these are writers that are trying to be Martin Scorsese and not for nothing. I think Spike, while ripping out some of his his own bag of his usual bag of tricks with the crane shots and everything like that, I think he's trying to get a little bit of his Martin Scorsese on in here because that not once, but twice and maybe three if I think about it times does he try to get do the whole, you know, One continuous shot walking into, to the club. Um, and he does that at least twice going in, into clubs, which is a Martin Scorsese Hallmark. I just found like these were three creatives that were trying to pay homage to, you know, some, another creative that they enjoyed. Um, Spike, his blueprints are on it hardcore. This is a Spike Lee joint. It says it at the top, and he owns that. God bless him, he should. But I don't think that that makes this a a Black film because I don't think that this really speaks to the Black experience in any way. Despite Spike and and... Him finding a role for his his sister in this movie as well, and it is a very blinky you miss it role. I just don't think it it has anything to say about the black experience or condition circa nineteen
1: seventy seven. So
0: so we're we're having a version of the of of
1: the serif on the Swanee argument, which which is the book that Zora Neale Hurston wrote about white people in the swamps of Florida. A black person has to write about something that speaks directly to the black experience is what you're arguing for it to be black.
0: No, that's not what I'm arguing. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just arguing that this film I don't feel is a black film. I don't think that this, I don't think that this I don't think that. Okay, my definition of a black film Mm -hmm. is not necessarily a film that speaks to the black experience, because not all all black films speak to a black experience. But I think of uh, a case in point, some Will Smith films, uh, some Wesley Snipes films. Mm -hmm. But I do think that a that is a hallmark of a lot of black films. Sure, sure. And I think black films that maybe fall out of that, you know, criteria are films that feature black actors in either a lead or considerably prominent role. Um, I feel like a black, I feel like a director, if it is a black director, does not necessarily make a movie, a black, black film because they can very much just be a director bringing their own style, their own, their own vision, their own, you know, uh, level of craft to a, to a project, but doesn't mean that they are imprinting it with their, with, with blackness in a way that makes it a black film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if, if you acknowledge that this is a Spike Lee movie. And, you know, like I, like I said, if if you didn't tell me that Spike Lee directed this and just showed me the parts, you know, without Roger Gouverneur Smith or Spike Lee in it, but you just show me, I would say, well, this looks I, like a Spike I Lee movie. I think this is a Spike Lee movie. Right. If I can identify your style. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's part of, 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 of your output. And as a, as a black, like, I think that makes it a black movie again, as opposed to, you know, I think it's like too fast, too furious that, um, John Singleton directs. Right, right, Which right. that, you know, I'm just sort of a hired gun. I got to make sure the cameras and everything are where they split. Like I am a professional filmmaker.
0: Yeah. But that being but said, there's
1: nothing stylistic like like i think there are some directors that are auteurs mm-hmm. that you see their films and you automatically know this is their style this is so you know whether you know tim burton is doing planet of the apes or or dark shadows mm-hmm. or whatever it's like oh yeah this is some tim burton stuff or mm-hmm. or chris mm-hmm. nolan or wes anderson or martin scorsese or mm-hmm. like okay well this this is their joint. Mm-hmm. And I think Spike Lee is one of those directors. And then I think yes. you okay, have you, you know, these sort of journeyman directors that don't have a quote unquote style. Like Tim Story. Right, right. They just, you know, I am am I a professional Director. sort of, you know, proficient, skilled at my craft. But my style isn't necessarily one that you can pull out. Mm hmm. And for me, that falls more under what the argument you're making. But if you have a style mm-hmm. and I can pull your style out of it, mm-hmm. then, yeah, I would say that's absolutely. Yeah, it is absolutely a black film. Like, because you're like, w- regardless of what it's not what you're talking about, it's how you talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I I still disagree with that because again, that is that's his style. That's that's his you know his his bag of tricks that he's bringing to this. But he's still bringing. He's still telling a different story. Yes, absolutely. But so 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 it it can be a Spike Lee joint. It is. It's it's definitely a, a film in his filmography. But I don't think that it it is. I I I don't think that it is a black film because I think that a black film would still have to have the marriage of the two, um, e- e- either speaking of the black experience or having black, um, actors or or faces in prominent roles. In okay, it. all right. As far as it not holding together. <sighs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Case in point. Say, say as opposed to Fast and Furious, Mm -hmm. right? Which which some might argue features black people in prominent roles. Sure, wars, sure. But
1: that it brings in
0: ludicrous and Tyrese. Tyrese. Yeah. You know, my argument would be that they're not in the like leads, But, right. but. And it's sort of aggressively non-racial. Like,
1: like the fact, yeah. if you're like, we, maybe we'll talk about them next February because racially they're fascinating.
0: Yeah. But go ahead. You're right. Yeah. But, but suppose John Singleton. Mm hmm directed, and for all I know, he may have, but I, I'm pretty sure he didn't, directed a Lethal Weapon movie. Right. With now the starring Mel Mel Gibson, but Danny Glover's in the lead, a co-lead in those films. An argument could be made about those movies being a, a black film. I would say, and you probably would say too, an argument could be made without John Singleton I was just about directing. To say that. I actually think that's. A, but if John Singleton is directing that that movie, or Ernest blacker. Dickerson, it makes it like it's definitively, right. you know, a black movie. Ernest Dickerson is another one. Could, he what because he, he does like action. He's done more than a few action right. films,
1: and some of them feel more like Ernest Dickerson movies. Than not, yeah, but they almost all got his, his
0: a little bit of his imprint on them, and it, and, it, and the ones that have his imprint, I think I would call black movies. Even and I'm drawing a blank, but he does like one one of those sword, you know, movies. Well, I don't see films, or is that the Hughes brothers? I think it was Ernest Sickerson though. So, but go ahead, the Hughes brothers.
1: When the Hughes brothers do, um, from it, hell from hell like yeah. i wouldn't call from hell a black movie
0: mhm but I,
1: you know what but it's got their imprint you know what i was at, as I, as it came out it's, my mouth that, that i was is going a huge film
0: the, i actually take that back that is a huge film and i think it's a black movie so because Yes, you, I am changing. Because you think thinking that falls under the same argument here as yes.
1: cause that's because that's what yes. you're saying. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. Hmm. That's 100 percent what I'm saying. Hmm. And and again, I think um I think a filmmaker style trumps everything else. And as far as the film not horny, I do think You know, I have a little bit of a reading that the Vinny character is struggling with his sexuality. Well, I think. No, 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 not struggling with being straight. I mean, struggling with being um, faithful. I mean, struggling with his sexuality. Okay. And I do think there is this. Not developed enough through line. That people are kind of. Dealing with their sexuality and questioning each other's sexuality. And I've, and, and
0: you know. There could be an argument that, there's, that right. there's a through line there, but to your point. It's not developed. It's not developed it's at not all. It's not developed. It's but, not developed at yeah. all. And maybe that's what they were going for yeah. with, through, through all the sex. But it's just, it. Right. like I said, the connective tissue right. is not there. And then again,
1: I, I just, said, just said general instability. In New York mm-hmm. at that moment. Because I do think this this is a very New York story. It is. Like I, you talk to New Yorkers who were there at the like, it, you know, like even like there's this great moment where one of, one of the meatheads jokes that maybe it could be Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. That almost. Because he's where he's number 44. Right. But and that almost gets violent because emotions are so high because of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's just really volatile.
0: Yeah, I get it. It's just, it's just, but you know, I, I, I didn't feel the ratcheting up on it. Like it, all there was actually points where I was feeling like he's trying to get us to feel everything, you know, charging up to this this big conclusion, a la. Um, do, the do the right, right thing. Things.
1: Yeah, certainly. But
0: it's, it's just not, the, it's not there. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's just not connecting for me. All right. Yeah. So uh, would you recommend that people see the Summer of Sam?
1: I think I would. I think I would. I, you know, I don't know if I said this out loud. I, I kind of allude, you know, it's a mess. Like it's a mess. And there's a tighter version of this film. But I like what's on the screen enough to to recommend. And and again, I like this period of Spike Lee, this sort of late nineties, early aughts period. So I would.
0: Okay. Well, I would not recommend Summer of Sam, ladies and gentlemen. I Mm -hmm. I like you. I believe it could be tighter. And I just think it's a little bit too gratuitous. I think there's too many missed opportunities in here. And I think there are better places to see Adrian Brody, Mira Savino and Jennifer Esposito um, ply their craft. All right. And and Spike Lee, to be fair. Um, So there you go. There is our review of the Summer of Sam, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you... You feel about our review, you can hit us up at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail And before you what we, before we tell you what is going to close out our query of February of is it a black film? I invite you to follow the Show mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Instagram, Facebook and or Twitter or whatever you want to call it at me show mission. Also go to YouTube like many of you right now and subscribe to the me show mission, hit that bell. So you're notified when we put new videos up, when we go live every Tuesday night at 7 PM and, um, let us build up our account. We're a very young YouTube channel, but more and more we're becoming bigger and bigger in this space putting more videos up there and we're very excited to see people enjoying all of the shorts that we have been putting out. We plan to continue doing that. So if you can reward us with a sub, hitting that subscribe bell, we really appreciate it. And feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review because that helps people find the show as well. Mm-hmm. Which is, as always, for now, seven years running, a proud member of The Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com, their beautiful network of podcasts. They make podcasts work, such as ours, which streams every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. from Yunk Chunk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace right here in the heart of Maniunk, Philadelphia, go to dylan at yunkjunk.com and book your time in one of the new studios that they've got going up in their new home here in Maniunk. You see the Michelle mission all decked out, all is all beautiful, so zen in here lovely. So come be one with us. All right. All right. Next week, Vincent. We're on a mission from God. Oh boy. This is one of the most requested films Yes, it is on the mission. Mm-hmm. And it is the one that started the question mm-hmm. of is it a Black film? It's true. We're going to decide. Finally is... The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. A black film. Yes. Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, yes, sir. Ray Charles, uh huh. Aretha Franklin. You better think. Mm. Think what you' trying to do to me. Next week, Cab Calloway. Cab- oh. Did you say James Brown? James. James Brown. Brown. Mm-hmm. Next week here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, see so you when it's time to sound meet again. The Michaud Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams with co-production by Mo Poplar. Check out Mo's family travel podcast, Bon Amigos, at ashyfeet.com. Original music is provided by Alexa Gold. Visit Alexa Gold Music at Bandcamp for more of her melodies. The Michelle Mission is edited by Len Webb and produced for YouTube at Yunk Junk. Visit dylan at yunkjunk.com for more information.